Well, I invite you, if you would, to open up to the Word of God in the book of Galatians. And I'm going to read this uh, text, which is a context for the scripture I'm going to address today. I'm really going to address Galatians 2.20 primarily, but we'll read the context as Paul is fighting for the doctrine of justification by faith or the free gift of salvation that Christ provides for us. And uh, unfortunately, Peter got a little blurred in his understanding of it at times, and uh, Paul has to uh, rebuke him, and that's the context of our text. This is the Word of God, Galatians chapter 2, verse 11. When Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he was in the wrong. Before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? We who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law, because by observing the law, no one will be justified. If while we seek to be justified in Christ, it becomes evident that we ourselves are sinners, does that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, I prove I am a lawbreaker. For through the law I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. May God bless this, the reading, the hearing, and indeed the preaching of his word. And let us ask for his blessing even now. O oh Lord, come, help us to understand the work of your Holy Spirit in our lives. Get this sinner out of the way. Help each of us, Lord, to listen to you and to hear what you have to say to us today. Show us yourself. Without you, we can do nothing. We give you this time and ask for your blessing on it. In Christ's name, amen. As an NBA basketball player, Sean Elliott was known as harassing on defense and dazzling on offense. His team, the San Antonio Spurs, retired 
his jersey number 32, hanging it with the likes of franchise players such as George the Iceman Gerving and David Robinson the Admiral. Elliott spent 11 of 12 NBA seasons with the Spurs and was the starting small forward with the Spurs when they won their 1999 NBA championship. But unknown to most, for the previous seven years, he had suffered and played with kidney disease. A month after the Spurs won the title, July 21st, 1999, he announced that he would undergo a kidney transplant. On August 16th of that year, Elliot underwent a successful kidney transplant, receiving his new kidney from his older brother, Noel. His mother, Odome, said, Noel gave Sean life, which in many ways he did because after spending months working out on his own, Elliot made NBA history at that time, March 2000, when he took the court against the Atlanta Hawks and became the first player in NBA history to return to action after a major organ transplant. With the sacrifice of a kidney, Noel gave Sean life. Life from another. The Christian life is a life lived through the life and the presence of another. The Christian life is a supernatural life so to speak, in which the Christian depends upon and lives by the power of the Spirit of the indwelling Christ Jesus himself. It's amazing to think about it. Life from another. How do you live the Christian life? The Apostle Paul, one of the most resourceful, energetic, driven, motivated, type A, performance-oriented, strong, self-willed individuals learned that his efforts, his work, his accomplishments actually got him nowhere with God. Without Christ, he was nothing. In John 15, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Without me, you can do nothing. And Paul learned that himself, this great truth. And he discovered three things that we see in our text, our passage. Galatians 2.20. He learned that the Christian life is a life of death. 
He learned as well that the Christian life is a life of Christ in me. And he learned that the Christian life is a life of faith in Christ. A life of death, a life of Christ, a life of faith. One writer said Galatians 2.20 summarizes Paul's philosophy of life. And I still recall as a new Christian, it was the second verse that I memorized. How transforming. Death, life, faith. The Christian life is a life of death to self. I mentioned the context. Briefly, Paul is writing to rebuke Peter. Peter, who had been eating meals with the Gentiles, these non-Jews, but he gets pressure from these outsiders. They're called Judaizers. They're they're Jewish Christians, but they love the law, and they're like, Peter, why are you eating with them? And it's like Peter says, I think I'll go sit at another table in the cafeteria. And Paul says, Peter, you're all confused. You're wrong. Peter, you've built a wall of separation between the Jews and the Gentiles, a wall that Christ broke down. And so Paul has to rebuke him. He's mad and he says, Peter, you know that law that they're pressuring you with? I'm dead to it. I am dead to it. I am now alive to God. As a matter of fact, Paul says, Peter, I am crucified with Christ. And the way he writes it, it speaks of a past action where Paul died, and it's continuous. It is the Christian life, crucified with Christ. He is speaking of his identity with Christ. The man on the cross, when he died, I died, Paul says. When I came to know him, I died to myself. Something traumatic has happened, and now he is dead to the self-life. It's identity. And it's remarkable identity. Now, I could probably start dividing up the congregation here by asking Falcons, Patriots, which one are you? Or maybe Panthers, or maybe Gamecocks, Clemson. But what I would discover would be we all find things with which we identify, right? We go out and buy the gear, the hat, whatever. Go to the games. We say, identify with them. I think of Paul in his day. Paul was actually saying, you see that man that was on the cross who suffered the worst form of capital punishment maybe ever known to man, dying on a cross like a criminal. He's the one I embrace. And I have died with him. Paul says, I am now dead. 
my self-focused, self-centered life is now dead. His death with Christ is a picture of a significant change in his life. He has a new relationship to the law, to sin, to self. He's dead. He's dead to the law because the law can never, ever again condemn him. He's dead. I don't even worry about the law bringing me guilt and shame. He's free from its claims. He's free from its condemnation. He is dead to sin. Oh, sin's still there, and we all know that, but it doesn't dominate anymore. It doesn't enslave. Paul says, I am dead to death. Death is no more a threat. I can stare death in the face because of the one on the cross and the resurrection. D.L. Moody, great American evangelist of the late 19th century, once said this, Someday you will read in the papers that Moody is dead. Don't you believe a word of it. At that moment, I shall be more alive than I am now. I was born of the flesh in 1837. I was born of the spirit in 1855. That which is born of the flesh may die. That which is born of the spirit will live forever. Dead to law, dead to sin, dead to death, dead to hell and judgment. It's fear. Jesus has absorbed it in my place. Dead to the devil. He may harass and bother me, but he is not my master. One author, Helen Cole, says, For Paul, a lifetime of accumulation of merit is wasted, and he has realized I am as bad off as a Gentile. I have nothing to offer God but my sin. I have received grace at the cross, and we cannot shrug off the cross. It's everything. And for the Christian, we identify with the cross, the shame, the death. Our death with Christ means the self-life has changed. We're not there yet, but it's no longer about me. The Christian life is a life of death to self But not only am I dead, a wonderful new reality has occurred. Amazing. Christ lives in me. Paul says it. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. I'm dead, but I'm alive. 
God wants us dead and alive. Dead to self, alive through Christ. I have a new relationship. I am no longer a lover of sin. And I am no longer dead to Christ. I have a personal relationship with the living Lord Jesus Christ. Staggering. Some years ago, I had a uh, IT man, a, a tech man for my computer coming to work on my computer. And as we sat down and he tried to figure out what problems I was having and all, he was, he was a young man, probably his early 30s. And we were able to get into a conversation. And so I just kind of tried to move the conversation as he worked. And I watched uh, about his faith. Did he have any faith? And he said, oh, I lost my faith a long time ago. And I said, well, that seems to happen all the time. I tried to lose mine while I was in college until I discovered something about Christianity. It's not a philosophy of life. It's not a life of rules. It's not a life of effort. It's not a life of guilt. I said, finally, I discovered that Christianity is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And then I looked him straight in the eyes because I was about to make a very bold statement. I said, and you may think I'm a little crazy, but I was just speaking with him this morning. Alive? Alive. A new relationship. Christ in me. Christ's spirit is now in my heart. There is a new life. I desire God when I didn't desire Him before. I love His Word. I love His law. It's a beautiful guide now. It no longer condemns me. I love the wonder and marvel and the beauty of God's holiness. I see things I've never seen before. I want to obey Him and live for Christ and for His glory. I love His church. I love His kingdom. I love my enemies and pray for those who persecute me. I forgive others as God in Christ has forgiven me. But guess what? It's not Rod Culbertson. I can't do those things. I have no interest in doing those things. It is Christ alive in me. Dead to self. The life of Christ in me. I have a new power in my life. Theologians call this regeneration or being made alive. Born again. Alive to God. It's not something we can make happen. It's something God does in us. Dr. George Long was pastor of the Lookout Mountain Presbyterian Church for over two decades, PCA Church up in the Chattanooga area. And he tells a story that he had a little grandson, about three years old, and he wanted to introduce his grandson to um, a box turtle. 
and he was all excited because he knew his grandson had never seen one, so they had the box turtle in one of the rooms sitting on the floor, and the grandson comes in and he looks at it, and he walks around it, and the turtle, of course, is all hidden up, doing nothing. He walks around it. He studies it. He peers at it, and nothing happens, and so finally he looks up to his grandfather and he says, needs battery. That's the Christian. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Power for living. As I die, Christ lives. And yet it's actually sort of the opposite. John the Baptist said, He must increase and I must decrease So as Christ lives, I die more and more. So we seek him. We read his word. We pray. We worship. We want Christ. And as he increases, I will find that self-life dying slowly. It's called a spirit-filled or spirit-controlled life. The best illustration I have of it, if you can follow me here, is when our uh, first boy was small, really maybe two or so, uh, I wanted to teach him how to play baseball. I love baseball. And so I went out and bought, you've seen them probably, one of those big red uh, failure-preventing type baseball bats. You know, they're like this wide and if you swing it, you're bound to hit something, right? And I went out and bought him that in a little ball, and I started tossing to him. He's whiffing every time. He's never done this. And I'm like, he's not making any progress. So then I said to Kathy, I said, Kathy, come out here. I want you to toss the ball. And so then I went by his side, and I held the bat with him, and we pulled it back, and she tossed the ball And whack, he hit it with a big smile on his face. Now I ask you, did he hit the ball? Yes, he hit the ball. But how did he do it? With the help of another who knew how. It's the Holy Spirit that helps us to love our enemies, to pray for those who persecute us, to have Patience, love, kindness, gentleness. The Christian life is the life of Christ in me. And then we see that the Christian life is a life of faith in Christ. Paul says, the life I live in the body. Paul's person and his personality is still intact. He is without question the one and only Paul, but a better Paul than before. The self-focused Paul no longer lives. Christ lives in him. Paul still thinks, chooses, feels, acts, hopes, plans, fears, wills, but he is strengthened and influenced by a new Power, a new presence, 
a new relationship, a new dependence, Christ himself dwelling in him. He says, I, the life I live in my body, I live by faith in the Son of God. Christ is my life. And I look to him and his life flows out by his spirit. There was an evangelist on the campus of Auburn University back in the 80s. He used to speak every week at very large crowds. Hundreds of college students would come to hear him. One day his daughter came up to him, and again she was probably six or seven, but she said, Daddy, I got a question. And he said, well, what's that? She said, is it true that Jesus was a real person? And he said, yes. She says, is it true that he was like a grown man? And he said, yes. And she says, is it true that if I'm a Christian, he lives in me? And he said, yes. And she says, well, if Jesus lives in me, it seems like he would stick out. Well, she got it right in a sense, didn't she? If his spirit is living in us, others will see something of Jesus in our lives. A walk of faith. The Son of God will live in me and through me. Paul is serious about this. His life was changed, changed at the cross. Paul says he's the one who loved me. He could have said us, but I want to tell you this is very personal to Paul. He's seen the cross. He hasn't gotten over it. He loved me and gave himself up for me. Do you have Christ? Is he yours? Have you given yourself to him, entrusted yourself to his work on the cross? Are you stirred by the reality he died for you? Paul understands grace. God giving us this gift. And when we receive it, yes, eternal life. Unbelievable, beyond our comprehension. But it's more than that. It is Jesus Christ through his spirit living in our lives. We're dead to self. We'll always struggle with that. But we have a new relationship to the self. We are alive to Christ. And we walk each day. Lord, work in me. Stop me from saying those words. Help me to repent. Give me greater gifts and fruits of the Spirit to be yours day in and day out. I am crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Yet Christ lives in me. In the life I live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me 
and gave himself for me. Let's pray. Father, so surely each of us needs this truth. Thank you for your work, and we would pray do not leave us alone as we struggle, as we fall. Lord, we look to you. We pray for the help and the hope that you give, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.